0: Changemakers podcast with your host Lois Duncan and Will Bombardier with a little talk and a lot of action. Welcome back to another episode of Tangible Changemakers podcast. Uh, Today we're going to talk about uh, tangible change—that's uh, the name of our podcast—and that begs the question of where do we begin with change? Uh, our last podcast we talked about like how do we start questioning our belief systems and things like that, and today we're going to take it a little more uh, down to earth and technical and 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 tangible. Uh, you might say, and talk about like, what is the fundamental underlying biggest need that we see that's facing humanity? Mm -hmm. And how do we tackle that first and kind of get into discussion about what we see as the areas that we need to um, really pour our attention into to really create true change on the planet? Where do we start? What, What domains of our life do we look at? And, um, I, I tend to try to, when I'm talking to my clients and my, um, students, we talk about, um, the, the different domains of your life, like our, um, uh, health and our finances and our spirituality and our, you know, contribution to community and society and our, our, um, uh, relationships and things like that. But before we can fundamentally get to those things and really deal with those things, there's a few other needs that I think I feel like we need to address first. And mm-hmm. it's interesting the other day I was deep diving into Maslow's hierarchy of needs and like really studying. And I found this really amazing video that came along with it. And, um, about an hour later, Will comes in talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, and we <laughs> yeah. were laughing because it was i was like, oh my god, let me show you what I was just looking up on. And and it's just we're very uh um synchronistically uh resonant on that. Mm-hmm. And um the basis of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I like to talk a lot about, obviously, self actualization and self individuation, and you know all the the deeper, like understanding the meaning of life kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And but we, but before we get there, there's a couple other things that we kind of need to address. And that if you start with like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we start out with our basic fundamental need for humanity is our physiological needs, and okay. And then from there, we move up into our safety needs. And then we move into love and belonging and then our sense of self-esteem and the cognitive and the aesthetic and then to Mm self-actualization. And um, the other day, Will put out a, and I'll let him talk about this, but he put out a little uh, questionnaire on Facebook and said, you know, what do you feel like is the biggest thing that's facing humanity, the biggest, how did you phrase that?
1: I just asked what? What do you feel is the biggest problem or most important and significant problem facing humanity today in the modern world? And I got a whole smattering of different um, answers um, all over the board from anything from political division to population control to um, energy to um, there was a whole variety of different answers. And it was it was really interesting because I got this it, it really lets you peer into where people's worldview is
0: right
1: because they kind of show you where the way they're seeing things um and i was kind of framing it up that way is because i wanted to a, see what people were where they're at but i also wanted to frame it up so that i could have this discussion and talk about this a little deeper and get some uh, ideas flowing now i've thought about this idea for a long time like the fundamentals of the world and the problems that we have and how can we solve those problems and it the, the the thing that I came to, or the answer that I came to, was that the fundamental underlying the physiological needs is based in energetics, and not some fancy energetics. Literal energy, the power companies control how much power we have. That controls everything else in the economic system. So the economic system is driven by power, by electricity, by um, heat, by the by the the, the literal energy that p- drives civilization. Mm-hmm. We've been told over and over for centuries that there's a limitation on that. That there's only so much. We're constantly told that there's just enough. We we're always struggling. How do we make create more need? How do we or how do we create more uh, energy? How do we? How can we get to that space? We're running out of energy. We're running out of so, so we've had gasoline and we've had we fossil fuels the so called fossil fuels, um, uh, nuclear power and we have wind power, solar power, the geothermal power. Um, there's all these different powers ways of generating electricity and that is the fundamental for everything else and the reason why i say it's the biggest problem is it's not the problem of the energy itself and it's not in my opinion it's not the real problem the real problem is the false programming that has been foisted upon the world to say that there isn't enough and that this is all there is and we can't do any better than this and that limitation—it's a false scarcity, is what it is. It's artificially constructed scarcity, and it's seeped into every aspect of our lives. You can see it in business practices through planned obsolescence, creating scarcity. You can see it in marketing practices in scarcity. Where we only have—we only have so many PDF downloads, and then we're going to shut it off.
0: Yeah, I saw just, I saw that the other day. Uh, this company that was down selling down this down. manifestation <laughs> stuff, and they're, oh, we're sold out of our PDF documents. Well, that's impossible. <laughs> it's a digital download, it's, it's, and I, that's what I do for a living. It's it's just constantly <laughs> it's enforcing standard. scarcity on every level.
1: Yes, and it's a false scarcity. That's it, it, and it's it's false because. We know that the universe is infinite, that there's a tremendous amount of energy. There's enough energy just is coming in through through solar energy that if we had like 100 square miles of solar panels in desert, we could power the entire planet with that. I mean, that's not that much space, really, considering the size of the planet. That's not that much energy. Uh, but when you keep people artificially held down, it impacts everything else in the economic system. So... About 15 years ago or so, I started really, really diving into this in a real authentic way, in a tangible way. I actually started studying what's called free energy technologies. And free energy, and I'm not talking about the airy-fairy um, perpetual motion machines, there's some, there's some things that are similar to that out there that can run for seemingly forever, but that doesn't mean you can extract energy from that system. Right. Um, it can run itself, basically. But what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm concerned about or interested in is practical free energy. It means bringing that up to scale so that there's enough that there is no scarcity in that framework. And the old saying that the rise, a rising tide lifts all boats is the same idea, is that if we had a system where, where we had all the energy needs met, then we solve poverty, first of all, because there's enough energy to create enough food to desalinate the oceans or to clean, get clean air or clean water. Um, we can clean up pollution. We can recycle 100%. All these things are all based in scarcity in economics. And our economic system is built around scarcity. It's all that. It always is. If you look at any piece of it, it's all built around scarcity. If we break that artificial scarcity by introducing technologies that can raise the bar, can raise all boats... Then that frees people from the hamster wheel of society of going through this, trying to fulfill your needs, your, your Maslow's the, the physiological needs at the very base level. If you don't have that piece in mind, the rest of it doesn't make any sense. Like it's not you can't tap into any other levels if, until you have those basic needs met.
0: Right, and and so, and That's why I'm saying morality goes out the window. When you're in deep, deep scarcity and you're trying to figure out how am I going to support my, keep my kid from starving to death or protect myself or keep, safe, so you lose your sense of morality when you're trying to just operate from survival and constantly trying to survive. Like we are hardwired as humans to survive and to do what is necessary to keep. That's why we have an ego. It's to keep us alive and to keep us in survival. And when they keep us in survival mode, we're always in survival. We don't have the opportunity to, to move up the, the, the hierarchical scale of, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like We can't do it because we're stuck in just survival. And exactly. so we can't make choices from a place of power because we're right. constantly just trying to survive. Exactly. And that that gets not just in our everyday life, but that that's the same holds true for our emotional well-being as well. When you're caught in just reactive survival, you know, and coping mechanisms and things like that. There's not a lot of room for expansion. So we, we don't have the opportunity to evolve and expand as a society. So. And and there's so much talk about, like, um, you know, climate change and we're destroying like, And we are just destroying our planet right now based in greed and consumerism and and not thinking about the long term ramifications. And, you know, I, I, I'm not really sure where I stand on climate change. I know that the the earth always moves in cycles and things like that but I also know that we live in a world that's just incredibly abundant we have all of these resources that we if we could just tap into them and we could we could uh, and there's but you're brilliant, and I've seen a lot of your inventions and the things that you've done. Um, and there's so many other great minds out there that are being suppressed and held down, and we're stopping them from those, from you know, coming up with technology that would truly free humanity.
1: Right, and this is kind of what I was going to... You know, that's a perfect segue into what I wanted to say, is that and some people might ask, well, how did you get to this idea of artificial scarcity? And I'll say the reason is because if you actually do study, study the history, study what's going on, there has been a systematic suppression of inventions or anything that is paradigm shifting. So anything that will shift us out of the current paradigm of control, a top-down control grid, anything that shifts that energy primarily, like um, in the 50s, they passed the Act of the Invention Secrecy Act, there's, a, there's an act where they, the, anything that comes into uh, the patent office gets inspected. And if it, if it is anything that is going to significantly disrupt the economy or disrupt the, the power structure as it is installed currently, that it gets, it's suppressed. It's it, they they, first thing they do is they threaten you or they, or they tell you, you know, they tell you you can't do it. Then they threaten you and then they kill you. And this has happened many, many times. This is not supposition. This is Fact you can look this all up. There's people like Stanley Meyer, uh, Eugene Maloff, There's a whole long list of inventors that have come forward and said, "Hey, I've got this amazing world changing technology." They try to buy them out first, and then they threaten them, and then they kill them if they don't if they don't acquiesce. And there's a lot more. Um, there's whistleblowers that come forward and said there's a, there's over five thousand patents that have been suppressed through the patent system. The patent system got taken over and used to suppress ingenuity instead of uh, lifted up and it's really sad because a lot of our institutions have been infiltrated by this same group and they are now trying to control everything every aspect of our lives and we're seeing it play out in real time if you're not paying attention to what's going on with covid and all the suppression of information they're you trying know, to just control watch the
0: speech. twitter files they're trying <laughs> to
1: just look at the twitter <laughs> they're files they're a they, real thing that that's stuff that's literally like coming out there's lots more behind there's lots more and when there's smoke there's fire and there's a lot of fires going on <laughs> everywhere um so so the suppression of it has to be lifted, okay? And how do we do that? How can we break free of that? So one of the things that been, I did, my personally tried to do it, like I made a tangible effort myself. I, di- I did the research. I've got several inventions in the other end of the room here that I've been working on um, that are prototypes uh, to prototype concepts and to proof of uh, principle, so there's some, some new ways of extracting energy or using energy, and simplified means of of taking using less resources to get more back. So for a lot, for a lot of people, like you look at a solar panel, everybody thinks that solar panels are like the top end. They're they're that's old, old, old technology. I've seen many, many technologies that come through where people are developing these really cool concentrated solar systems where you can concentrate the solar energy just. Concentrate the light, and then use a really high-end solar panel. You don't need as many materials, so you don't. It doesn't require this remarkable amount of materials that they're mining out of the earth. You can use a lot less and get a lot more. And these systems are all—they're all out there. I've seen so many systems come through. I actually stopped doing my research because there were so many inventors coming through. There was so much information, and there were so many that were even be- way better than what I was working on. <laughs> I mean, there's some really, really cool stuff out there. Um, but it's all being suppressed. And I think I honestly believe that the only real solution to get out of this is to open source that up. And it's the only honest answer anyway, because reality is it with free energy, it breaks the whole economic system wide open. It changes it from one of uh, where where we're valued for our service, not for our uh, um, ownership, Okay, so we need to break free of ownership too. The whole patent system, the whole um, intellectual property thing needs to be revamped. And this whole, um, I mean, I think definitely artists should be able to retain their art and ownership and copyright of their art, no doubt. Um, But this whole suppression of information and stopping innovation, so these companies come in and they'll buy up battery technology and shelve it. And they'll just shelve it so you can't use it. Nobody can use it. And this has happened over and over and over again in many, many different areas of the energy sector. Um, I've seen a whole bunch of different ones that like really, really incredible technologies 15 years ago and they just disappeared. Where'd they go? Were they unviable? I doubt it. I doubt it because there's been many, many, many of these uh, uh, inventors that have come out and created phenomenal just phenomenal machines and they're not even that complex you know Um, some of the stuff they're pushing forward now they're talking about fusion they've been talking about that forever we had cold fusion in the 90s they had evidence for it and instead of doing the real science (laughs) and asking well let's see if this is really real and test it they went oh no it's heresy we can't even look at that and they poo-pooed everything. And there, there's just so many examples of it. I could go on and on and on. And I don't want to drag it out into that. But that's a fundamental, this fundamental um, unit of how we interact with the world with respect to energy or, or energy as our, as our means of interacting with the world. It touches every other part of our lives every part. There's nothing nothing that does not intersect with that. And if we could solve that one, it's not going to solve all our problems overnight, but it gives us an opportunity to breathe. It gives us an opportunity to step back. Poverty is what creates crime.
0: I, I Crime is what crime completely. is based
1: in poverty because people don't function with the right mind in poverty. And then you have poverty of spirit, poverty of intellect, poverty of you know where we, we we could have a system where Everyone has real education and free education. There's no no reason why it has to be so expensive to go to college other than just pure greed.
0: Right. Our entire system is based on greed and scarcity now. And it obviously it is just not working for humanity anymore. Like it's no. been just really something that's been, you know, with the fact that I've been in marketing and advertising for 30 years and I spent most of my career, you know, promoting very greed oriented profit driven companies. And you say anything, you know, to get people to buy your stuff. And there was no integrity in a lot of it. Yeah. No, like it just, it's, it, and it's, and we've come to accept that as that's just the way it is. I know we say this just about every podcast. Us. it's just business. And that is a big part of what's wrong with our world. And until we start having these conversations and we start saying, let's define the problem. Let's look at it. Let's talk about it openly and honestly, and let's start coming up with solutions to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was reading, um, the other day in gene Keys, cause which I read, you know, every day I read a gene key just because it's something that I love and, and resonates with me. And, and I, I can't remember the specific gene key. I meant to look it up before I got here, but I was reading and and, he, and um Richard Rudd says he who controls the food controls the power you know so if we have mm-hmm. um free energy and we can provide you know warmth and and energy and ways to cook our food and ways to clean our oceans and give us fresh water and we can provide all the abundance for people um we eliminate just so much of the struggle on the planet. That's right. how you do it. I saw that that um, like Elon Musk put out a thing, um, a challenge to the was it the WHO or whatever, and he said, "Here's six billion dollars. If you can come up with a plan to end world hunger, I'll put six billion dollars to it." And nobody came up with a plan.
1: I know somebody who's got a plan.
0: Yeah.
1: I can, we're going to have them on our podcast. I yeah. Can see it.
0: Yeah. And nobody came up with a plan. <laughs> and, and I, I just, and I, and I'm just looking at the things that we like, and, and we are so, um, and I know like right now, like I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of diversity in my friends and people that come from different walks of life and different belief systems. And and right now with everything and all the suppression and the proof of all the information about you know the vaccines and stuff like that that's coming out. And it's not it's not um, conspiracy theory anymore. It's all just being proven. And you can just go and do the research for yourself. We're not going to necessarily go into that. But there's a lot of people in society. They're just sticking their fingers in their ears and going no 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 I don't no 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 don't tell me don't tell me my daughter did that to me the other day. She's like, I don't even want to know. She her hands in her ears, And and we and we laughed about it because but that's how a lot of people are because you know sometimes ignorance is bliss. But also something we say a lot in the age of information, ignorance is a choice as well. Like we're choosing to remain ignorant because we don't want to know. People don't want the responsibility. And the and the people that are higher up, they want to keep us ignorant. They want to keep us not knowing that this the possibility for free energy is out, or the possibility right. to have an abundant world. And the thing about it is, is once everybody's needs are met and you have, you know, a universal basic income. Which which I know people get really twiddly about that as well. I mean, these are
1: all controversial things well, to talk about. in a closed system, that that becomes more of a question, like, well, where's that coming from? Who's, who's going to, you know, there is something to be said there. But in an open system, with free energy is an open system, it means that we have all our needs, energetic needs are met. That means all our other needs can be met. There's no limitation there. Right. And that's the difference. The scarcity turns to abundance. So it flips that upside down, and now it's abundance consciousness, and we're all operating from a very different space. And you can see this, like if you, I'll tell you what, if you if you look at your friend group, and think about look at the people that grew up with money, and resources, and look at how they operate in the world, and compare them to somebody who grew up in scarcity, and you will see two very different worldviews in how they operate, and usually the people in scarcity are struggling still. And the people that are in, in that have the resources are in abundance consciousness. They don't have that problem. Well, they also have the advantage of having support as well because they're literally in abundance consciousness. But their worldview is completely different. How they operate, what they look at. I want to pop back to what you said about ignorance is bliss. It's bliss for that person, but for everyone around them, it's hell. Right. Because when you're ignorant to the truth, when you deny the truth, when you deny to look at things, when you can't question, even look at things, then you're denying everyone else around you. You're, you're basically creating a vacuum for all of that, for people to be able to work. They can't operate around you because you're not operating in the truth. You're not operating in transparency. You're, you're, you can't solve a problem that you don't acknowledge we can't solve these problems if we don't acknowledge them whether it be the vaccines or anything else i, I don't want to get into the vaccine stuff because it's it's oversaturated anyway i don't think it's even necessary to talk about it right now it's right, just look agree. it up yourself um but energy is not this is not something they talk about or want us to talk about and i think it's fundamental that we start looking at that very carefully and start realizing wow you know if we took our resources and, adv- and 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 we're honest and open about putting those towards creating something that was abundant for everyone free energy devices free energy technology and release that to the world it would be a completely different world very quickly.
0: Exactly. I remember that my answer that I put when you posed that question was economic disparity. Mm-hmm. And I, I I believe that that is one of the greatest problems facing humanity is that we have this whole class of haves and have nots. Mm-hmm. And we're extremely divided by economic resources, you right. know, and and there's a certain percentage of the population that holds almost all the resources, and therefore they hold the power. And if knowledge is also power, then, you know, they want to keep us stupid. They want to keep us ignorant. They want to keep us. And and I, I feel like it's up to us to educate ourselves, to learn, to start looking into these things. And also to start thinking, you know, I'm just one person. I'm a little old me, but um, my idea to change things was to come up with this platform, yeah. you know, and, and to create a platform where we could come and actually have these conversations and we could find like minded people that are interested in innovating and looking for solutions and figuring out ways where we can be sustainable and control our own food sources and not be dependent. There's been so many so much talk lately like we go to the grocery store and the shelves are bare a lot. Like it's really ridiculous. And and there's all these supply chain things and all of that stuff is being created. Like it's it's being manufactured to create um, i I truly believe that I, I think that it's just it's intentional um, to to keep us in fear and to keep us in scarcity and to keep pushing this paradigm of scarcity and fear and and I think that if we could come together and bring the innovators and the people that are truly committed to creating change and we could start coming up with it and build that's our ultimate dream is to build a community, an eco village, you know, where we start to just try out different um, technologies to create free energy and to be sustainable and teach people how to grow their own food and how to um, provide for themselves and to provide for their own safety so that they can get in a position to evolve their consciousness and to heal themselves. I mean, you know, to be able to heal, like if we um, were able to f- fundamentally provide for energy and that was taken care Care of, then we could take all of that innovation and, and knowledge and stuff, and we could put that toward you know ways to um, create med beds or whatever you know yeah. uh, to, to to be able to heal people and and remove all of the suffering from the physical ailments and things that we have as well, mm-hmm. you know. And a lot of that to me goes back to. But for, from what I've found is going back to natural medicine, I spent many, many years in the, um, the Western medicine system, going to the doctors all the time, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of medical bills. And I never received any, any relief from it. I just kept getting sicker and sicker and piling on more medications. And when I was uh, when I finally said, OK, there has to be a way and then plant medicines came into my life, I healed myself. And now I don't, I don't depend on now I see the greed behind the pharmaceuticals. I have a type one diabetic daughter, you know, her type one diabetes, she's insulin dependent. She will be insulin dependent for the rest of her life until somebody comes up with a cure for diabetes. But nobody's going to do that because diabetes is a multi-billion dollar industry. Her diabetes supplies run around twenty two hundred dollars a month.
1: Well, the institutions aren't going to do it, and that's for sure because well, exactly. they're they're the ones making the money out. That this for profit healthcare system is an obvious conflict of interest right there's just no way like there's just it works but it works doesn't work for the patient it works for the institutions institutions
0: that are making money and the pharmaceutical companies that are not liable for the damage they cause right they get to walk away and just keep putting money in the pockets of their investors Mm -hmm. you know i that's it's um it's we have to talk about these things and 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 come up with real solutions. You know, we, um, I know we talk about, and you know, it's not meant to be a bitch fest. It's not, it's meant to let <laughs> It let's... is.
1: It is a little bit though, because it's, it's frustrating. Well, I think have you have to, to define the problem. problem.
0: And so yeah. that's where we're at yeah. right now. We're defining the problem. Right. We're, we, and we don't want to pull over, <laughs> focus on, on um, yeah. what's wrong with the world, but we have to be able to, 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 uh, it's kind of like, I love um, Caroline Mace's book on the courage to confront evil. And she says, if you pretend like evil doesn't exist, it wins like if you deny that it exists then it gets to flourish and you know it just it continues um and it, and it festers and it and mm-hmm. it builds and you have to we have to be able we live in this world of duality and and it's there so we have to talk about these things we have to be able to say this is the answers if we can come up with free energy and we can we can remove that false construct of scar- scarcity and we can create uh, abundance for all so we get people out of scarcity then people will really be able to step into innovation and i mean who knows what we could create we right. could pour our energy into evolving our consciousness and love and to to really creating a world like bring us back to the garden of eden You know, this beautiful world that's full of abundance where we can dance and sing and be in joy and, and revel in nature and, you know, love each other and, and like all the the beautiful things that I really believe that God intended for, you know, humans to experience on this earth. I believe that we were intended to come here and live in abundance and be tenders of the garden, you know, and the, the beautiful, this incredible diverse ecology that we have in this world that's just so full of, of abundance and
1: beauty. Well, we do have abundance. We have an abundance of lack and we have abundance of scarcity. We've an abundance of ignorance. And all those things need to be shifted into an abundance of energy, abundance of knowledge and understanding, abundance of expansion. We need to expand our awareness, but we can't do that if we don't acknowledge that there's a problem. We right. can't. We have to acknowledge the problem, and where the problem, and we have to dive deep enough to find where the real problem is. We can't do the the pharmaceutical method is to apply a, a, a band aid on it and just treat the symptom, and not to look and see why that sore keeps appearing there. Why is that sore appearing on your skin over and over and over? Where's that coming from? And I'm not going to use specifically, but you know, in, 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 in that sore on humanity, where's that coming from? and when you dive deep enough and you start looking into it you realize this is this is constructed this isn't happenstance this isn't accidental this is constructed on purpose because those in power keep their power right they want their power forever and they're going to keep it as long as they can now i'm honestly hopeful that we're in the, we're in the process of deconstructing that right now
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we're very close to breaking free through that into an abundance consciousness or abundance of our abundance of prosperity consciousness. Um, there's a lot of technology that are coming out right now, and they, they are not able to suppress things the way they used to be. It's just the whole Twitter um, changeover is a really good sign that things are shifting, that the narrative can't be controlled anymore. And we're seeing how they were controlling the narrative. I mean, they it's it's literally coming on the in the documents in their own documents showing that they set up all these systems to control the narrative and to control perception. This isn't new either. This has been going on forever. Right. Okay, um, they've just they've honed their science back in the fifties with MK ultra and all the stuff they did with that. And the mind control techniques, they, 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 as we, our technology evolved, so did that. And so TV, uh, radio, all these frequency based technologies were used to also um, control us as well. Um, And then they control the talking heads that are giving you the ideas. The news is no longer the news. The news is all just opinion and narrative. it's, It's propaganda. and, um you have to do significant amount of work to really find out what's going on to find out some semblance of the truth and nobody has it all we don't this is why we have to have these conversations though because nobody cares nobody can be the arbiter of all the truth we can't nobody carries all of it it's compartmentalized in all these different perspectives, all these different facets of the crystal all need to look inward and see and say, Hey, well, this is what I'm seeing. Do you see that? What do you see? And we start cross referencing and we start saying, okay, well, this is looks like this and this looks like this. And we can start developing a, a really solid picture of what's going on. And once you see that, once we see that we can acknowledge that, then we can decide what to do with it and we decide how to change it. Now there are people that are doing phenomenal things. the, the, the uh freedom farm academy with jim gale what they're doing with this whole thing with permaculture and building food for us is one of the best ideas that i've seen in a long long time um it's fundamental i i feel i resonate with that really really strongly because i i honestly believe that nature has already done all the work for us we already have a lot of that created we have all these examples of abundance right in front of us and instead of in embracing it and and trying to use it we suppress it and try to control it
0: right
1: and all of our systems are all control control grid type systems where we're trying to control and maintain control all the time the food forest abundance idea which i love and we're gonna have jim gale on here i want to have him on our podcast for sure i um, to have him talk about this and really express this but the the idea is that it, there's plenty of plants that you can just eat mm-hmm. and so they want to create a place where you go and you just eat whatever's there like there's always food being automatically produced you don't even have to do much to create it fruit trees um raspberry bushes like there's all these kinds of natural plants that will grow and create food for you automatically that are edible by humans and animals alike and repopulates the forest with animals and insects and all the things that nature needs it's it's really amazing what they're doing down there and if you for, do it for,
0: organically, it also helps to recondition the soil yes. and to take the the, to, the toxins and all the pollutants that we're spraying on our lawns, which well, gets into our groundwater. They're ground no longer waters.
1: necessary if we if we use these natural uh, permaculture methods. You don't need those things because nature's already got that built in. Those mechanisms that complexity is already built into it to help manage those things. Right. Um, so, so you don't have to do that and. and And with a little knowledge and understanding of that, we can propagate that idea more and more. And what they're doing is really changing the game and the potential that you took six billion dollars and you invested into that, into spreading that knowledge and start spreading that across the globe. So that everywhere we go, you're building food for us. Instead of lawns, we all got food for us. So we can walk out instead of having to mow your grass and fertilize your grass and pick the weeds and all the crap that we do. For lawns that most of us honestly don't even look at anymore, we spend our time sitting inside looking at screens instead of looking. We'll put a nice picture of a beautiful scene on our our screen on the wall and then ignore the nice, beautiful you know lawn that we spend all this time manicuring in the backyard we might use it for a little while but but it's so much effort for so little gain and all we do is toxify our, our environment we destroy we create these monocultures which are unnatural they're just very unnatural systems and when we when when you put that into a natural context the nature just takes over and it will create food where you can walk outside and just eat a tree off the trees, the, that was what the Garden of Eden was, right? It was this idea of just the foods wherever you need, we need, it's there,
0: right? And we you don't we, have we to go born look, into born to... abundance. That is our birthright. Abundance is our birthright. Yeah. I truly believe that that is what God intended for us to have is abundance and to yes. not be in scarcity all the time, so that we could just be in joy, you know, I I think that's so just, it's, it's something that people miss miss. Somehow we got, we let, um, the, all these constructs and war and and fighting and and right and wrong and all these things get in the way of humanity. Yes, and and who we are. And I truly believe, like I really believe, that we're at a choice point right now, and we are um, at a place where we choose the path of destruction or the path of creation. We continue to, or we destroy. You know, we destroy this this beautiful earth and the earth's going to keep going but we might destroy humanity we won't stay on we, we won't we, stay
1: i don't think we'll ever completely destroy the whole biosphere but we will destroy the ability to live the way we do now like right. we've already are doing that where we're we are we are just one disaster away from mass starvation like <laughs> people have no idea how fast the um the, the grocery stores would be empty if the trucks stop hauling food
0: and then and, we go and into chaos, and, 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 and then you go into a
1: whole different. Chaos. Yeah, and, and we don't a, want to go into that. And I, don't I don't want, want to live over. in a Mad Max world. <laughs> I'm not interested nope. in that. I,
0: I don't even like watching those movies because i I'm like <laughs> I, I don't want to put that in my. Like I feel like what you focus on expands, and I don't even want that in my field of possibility. Like I yeah, don't, yeah,
1: just be aware that it's something you don't want. Right, it and is. It's a, something that I don't
0: want, yeah. and I don't put my energy into it. But right. I, I want to figure out a way to create. You know, to to create abundance and to to take this beautiful earth that we've been given and turn it into something that is that we can well, all
1: enjoy. Well, there are people doing that. I mean, yeah. Jim Gale and those guys down in Gulf they're doing that right now. There's people that are in that process of showing us, not talking about it, they're tangible change makers. They're really doing it. And so when we interview them and get into that to that, we can kind of refer back to this topic. Um but that, that abundance, if you can just take a moment to just kind of sit back and imagine what the world could look like if you didn't have a power bill. So you don't have to pay for electricity. You don't have to pay for heat. You don't have to pay for lights. You can power lights to grow your food. If you, if you need to grow it in a greenhouse or in your basement, or wherever you need to grow food, you can grow food. You can use it to pump water. to pump. You can use it to extract water out of the air. You could use it to green the deserts, and we could start living in places where we normally couldn't because it's all based on economics. We could recycle. 100% of everything could be recycled. Economics of recycling necessitates that if it's if it's not worth it, then it's cheaper to dig it out of the ground than it is to recycle it. The big companies and corporations have no incentive to recycle it. We've had to force these these things onto people out of necessity in places like Europe where the, the population density is much tighter and their resources are much tighter. So they have to shift the way they operate. But in places like America, we don't think that way. We think, "Well, we got all this amazing space. Let's just go dump our crap over there. We'll just make a big pile and we'll just cover it up. Big deal. And that's what we do.
0: Yeah and then I mean, when we drive down the road down the <laughs> interstate in Florida you go past those big cuz it's so flat and then you hit this big mountain of trash yeah. and it's covered up and the smell oh my god you can smell it for miles and well, it's so Well the irony gross. of it is that
1: <laughs> none really... of that's necessary. I mean the the Swedes solved this by building uh, trash incinerators with really good scrubbers on them so that they could burn all their trash and use it to power the power their like power like use generate power uh, electricity.
0: So they turn the trash. And I, I love what you wrote like in, in on our platform, in our social platform, we were having a discussion about free energy, which is kind of what got us onto this topic. Um, and you wrote free energy means minimal to no pollution, 100 percent recycling of all materials, healthier growing farming methods, greening the deserts, desalination and other water clean water technologies and new economics that is based in service instead of scarcity and a mindless production of useless crap simply to make money. It also means the end of poverty, which is the primary fundamental driving principle beyond behind criminality and I, I love that like, i read that and i just it made me Thank love you a little bit, a little bit more <laughs> it's you. it's really but that is that that's what we get to get to and we have to hold the possibility of of that type of future for humanity and and so of, i
1: would say we need to go beyond that we need to we need to actually step out into doing Right, because there's only people that have done it, but we need to bring it forth in a coordinated effort. And and I've had this idea for a long time that I'd love to just find find a really verified, really powerful technology, and then open source that to the world and say, this is open to everyone. Recreate it as much as you can, as fast as you can, so they can't put the kibosh, they can't stop it once it's out there. Once you let open Pandora's box, so so to speak, it can't be put back in. And once people realize this so if anything though i'd like people to get away with or get to is to contemplate this idea mm-hmm. and to really soak it in and think how could the world be different if we were really put our energy into something like this if we because it benefits everyone this isn't this this lifts all boats not right. just mine not just the wealthy not just the poor it lifts everyone up and we all have the potential to live different lives now if your needs are met and you're not living month to month, or or struggling. Or you or week like most week. most I mean, people are just one disaster away from financial bankruptcy. Like they're just, and that's just the truth of it.
0: I read a, a poll the other day, that, or a, a stat the other day, that said that the average American has less than four hundred dollars in savings. Yeah. And so, literally, they're, you're one.
1: We're re- re- from- very close to having going into debt. And most people are living in debt. Even the people that you see that look like they're doing really well, probably in debt as well because their debts are just bigger and they have a, a means to manage their debt, but they're in debt as well. You know, um, they have these expensive assets that could easily be extracted and <laughs> take away the debt. But um, if we can get to this place where our needs are met, then we can step into our art then we can step into our contemplations. Then we have time to contemplate our existence. I mean, a lot of people don't even have time to really delve into these things because they're so caught up in work, 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 pay the bills. Do, it's the same routine, and then we're also told to not do anything until you get old. Yeah. Wait till you're retired, and then you can do whatever you want. This old sales that was great. That was, that worked in the fifties. but it does not apply anymore like it just doesn't it's not the world we're living in anymore now it does not mean that you shouldn't be responsible with your with your resources that you have i'm not i don't advocate for wasting resources um on the yeah i would say even more so to be really contemplating aware of your resources and how you use them to use them wisely you know um I I, am built at that I can't I kind of grew up in scarcity consciousness um and five kids we didn't have we we weren't poor so we were kind of in the lower middle class level uh but we had five kids and you know one working adult Uh, my mom worked part-time um so but we we had enough to get by but we didn't live there was no excess really yeah (laughs) and but we lived a pretty good life like there's still a lot of good times, and I've experienced that myself. When I went to Florida or to, um, to Africa, and I saw the, some really really um, economic poverty there, they don't have the same poverty of the heart. Like their families are different. Like they there there was there's this love and the smiles on their faces that was different. Like it was they were they were joyful to be together. There was there was this. Even in this economic scarcity, they still had joy. They still struggle. I mean, it's a very, very real struggle because I have friends over there still that are struggling. And it hurts me that I can't help them more and support them more. But but uh, I, at some point I will when I, when my, my resources are there. But my point is that if we can remove some of these physiological basis of issues with Maslow's pyramid, we can move up that. To different areas and we can move into different domains of our lives more authentically more organically and really be able to connect with ourselves in a deeper way and really discover who we really are why we're and what we can create and we can all live lives of joy and abundance I mean I really feel like we're here to create heaven on earth so we're here to create and anchor those energies here we're here to create and create a new world where where everyone can thrive a thrival world and I often, when I was younger, I used to have the more, when I was in the deep in the scarcity consciousness, I was very much in the survivalism kind of ideas. Like, "Oh, I've got to have to connect with people and to survive. And now I'm more like, you know what? I want to thrive. I don't want to just survive. I don't right. want to just survive.
0: I didn't I come agree. here just to I survive. Either. I didn't come here to just survive. I came survive here
1: either. to thrive and to show other people how to thrive and to help them and support them in their efforts to find thrival. Um I think that's where we need to go. And the question is, how do we get there? How do we get there the quickest? Exactly. (laughs) Because we really need to change some things fast. I I agree. I believe there's potential for it, but how do we do it? And Uh, I really think think free energy is the way to do that. That's the way to really shift things quickly.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, I I too grew up in scarcity and we weren't we were poor. Like we were really poor. Um there were six of us and uh you know my dad I don't know, maybe made twenty nine thousand dollars a year, but I didn't know that we were poor until I got into junior high school, and I changed schools and I went to the, I went from the county school to the city school, with all where all the wealthier kids went to school. I got redistricted and and I became aware of name brand clothes. And I remember I worked the entire summer of my sixth grade year making a $1.50 an hour, cleaning the cabin and working in the garden, picking beans and picking weeds and things like that for $1.50 an hour so that I could buy a pair of Nike tennis shoes and a pair of Jordache jeans, which I wanted more than... Anything in the world it was just to have some name brand clothes um, because my mom made all of my clothes, all of I had beautiful clothes. I dressed very uniquely and very different and had a really great sense of style and nobody dressed like me. Uh, and I, I thought that was amazing until I got to junior high school. And then I was just horrified about my little homemade clothes and really like it was, it was, and, and I can't, my mom worked so hard to provide for us. And, you know, my parents, they were just, they're such innovators. Like they really, they really we grew we had three acres of garden we grew almost all of our own food and then my mom would go out and we would can and put everything away and then every week she would take the abundance and she would take it down to the church and put it out at the church or she would go around and she's still she's 79 years old and she still goes out and cooks meals for all the widow ladies in her neighborhood and takes them and delivers meals and and if somebody you know has a crisis in their family she cooks all this food and takes it to them and she lives a life of service but she has like we never we and we never went hungry and i, I grew up eating you know fresh farm to table organic food um, and not realizing like how Blessed I was to have <laughs> yeah. that growing up, you know, because we had an abundance. We had chickens, and so we had fresh eggs every day. They still do. I mean, they, they go out and I, I've been seeing all kinds of memes. I, I don't know. I, I don't know the cost of eggs, but apparently the price of eggs is going through the roof or something. I saw uh, everything's going through the
1: roof.
0: It's yeah. Crazy. And I saw, but uh, growing up and still to this day, you know, my mom goes out and gets the eggs out of the chicken coop every week, every day. And, and, um, and, 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 it's, and they were self-sustaining in a lot of ways. And I think that we need to figure out ways to get back to that a little bit. Um, I I was reading a thing the other day that said that China and Bill Gates own the majority of farmland in our country, in our country, the United States. And that's controlling the food source. I mean, that's scary to me. And, you know, and we can just stick our head in the sand and, and, I, and I Pollyanna a lot of things. But this is something <laughs> that I'm not willing to do because I, I want... I want a better world for my children. And my, I have a grandchild now, you know, I want a better world for him. I don't want him to grow up in, in, you know, Mad Max land. I don't want him to grow up in like constant war. And, and it's, it's just important to me that we, that we come up with solutions for this. You know, I, I think a lot about, um, also just when we're, um, you know if we if we can figure out the the food thing and get back to healthy non gmo food you know and then there's the, also the talk of like the population you know we the, the depopulating there's too many people and stuff like that you know mm-hmm. um if we could figure out the free energy all of that would be moot like cause it all it, becomes moot it, it all becomes like all of these big arguments and the big scare tactics and the like the the uh the the climate change and the, you know the need there's too many people and all that that just all goes away you know and and we could,
1: the- we could easily pop into star trek world too if they released all these technologies they're withholding every tech any technology that is paradigm shifting right if it breaks the current paradigm and how we perceive reality it is not allowed into the public they, they dripping it in a little bit here and there and we're and we, we could have had computers like we have now a long time ago but they they drip that stuff out to extract as much resources in terms of money from us as they can right and they're caught doing these these horrible tactics i'm i used to be a big fan i'm a technologist and i i i used to really like technology and i have this really Big distaste for it now because I see their tactics and what they've done, and this—I mean—in the software that I build alone, um, they've—they've they, gone to a, a a one-year upgrade cycle, which means that—and this is a business-level software. This is building databases software for business, cost
0: thousands of dollars, it costs a lot of money, in. but
1: but it's also it's, it's integrated into their business productivity um, um, workflow, and you can't just. Change it on. I mean, you can change it on the fly to a certain extent, but when you start keeping that upgrade all the time, constantly, you're forcing people into space where, and then that that has to match with the operating system. There's all these different layers to it. It starts to become very, very expensive, and so it, it's like as they keep taxing, 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 and they don't give you much benefit. Like the the upgrades aren't really that much of an upgrade. They haven't changed hardly anything. I mean, honestly, like some of Apple stuff. I don't see what they're changing and what they're adding. There's almost nothing new to this stuff to me. The icons like, are prettier. The icons look different. Okay. Yeah. And and I mean, they look more childlike. They look worse to me. They used to look nice. Everything about 15 years ago was really good in technology. And it's just gone off a cliff in the last five years, I got to say. And so I'm, I'm, I'm operating a little bit from the vent space in our state. <laughs> to be honest, I'm a little complaining today because I'm a little frustrated with some of these things. Um, so help me get back onto the solutions side of this. Um, we need to really change and reframe people's consciousness around this topic. Mm-hmm. And because because if, we, if we operate from scarcity, we attract scarcity. And I'm struggling with this right now. Like it's, it's a personal struggle for me. Because I don't know, I have all these opportunities and I'm not sure where to put my energy. Yeah, And so, and not all of them may pan out. So I don't know. It's kind of feels almost like a little bit of a gamble to know where I should invest my time. Um, And I've got real world concerns, you know, I've got real bills that I got to be paid. Right. So, so this is something that's real and it's, 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 but I also know on an hysteric level that what we, What we put out, (laughs) we attract. And so I'm really struggling internal with this this internal cognitive dissonance. Like I got real world things to deal with, but I can't be putting out this idea that I'm in scarcity because I'm not really in scarcity. I'm only in potential scarcity. Right? Right. And so, and I think a lot of people are in that space right now, honestly, because the markets are changing. The world's changing radically fast and people, if you're not ready for it, it's like standing on If you've ever been to the beach and you tried just hanging out, try standing on the beach when the waves are big and close your eyes. See how long you can keep your balance.
0: Yeah. When you can't see it coming, you'll get
1: get knocked on your ass real fast. (laughs) And it's it's not, it can be fun, but it's a fun experiment and learning how to, to blend with what's coming. And, and I honestly think that it's much better to be aware of what's going on and face it open hearted and open eyed and really tap into what's going on, and then you can blend with it, and then you can surf it if you want. You can surf those waves, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know many surfers that can surf that are blind. That can surf blind. That's a pretty tough thing to do. Yeah, because any little teeny mistake that you make, in your toast.
0: Yeah, you gotta, you <laughs> gotta be able to feel it for sure, but you gotta be able to see where you're going. Right, and, and I think that that's you know I, I go back to the teachings of Gene Keys, which a lot because that's kind of a guiding thing for me, and you know Richard Redd talks about prosperity a lot. And how do we get to this place where we're giving back and we're not just constantly motivated by greed and consumerism and and the hoarding of wealth? I mean, there's so much money in circulation, but it's all being held by people that want to just keep hoarding.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: and I ask myself all the time, like, how much is enough?
1: Right.
0: Like, how difficult would it be to to put that out into the world so that everybody so we don't have all the crime and the people that are just acting out of, you know, desperation? And, you know, I just I, I read this book. My sister suggested it to me the other day. And, um, it really humbled me. Like it literally made me who rarely ever cries, cry. Like I Mm. sat with just tears streaming down my cheeks. Um, and it was called the deepest well. And it was about a pediatrician who, um, and it touched me because at the end of the book, she shares why she did this. You know, she went and she got a, a Harvard education and she went to like all these elite schools. So I assumed the whole time I was reading the book that she was somebody that came from money and came from, you know, uh, wealth and all this stuff. And she, uh, got the best education and she spent like the first part of her, her career working, you know, in the wealthy communities and with the wealthy children and the kids that have, you know, all of this, um, abundance and the kids were thriving, the babies are all thriving. She's a pediatrician, so she obviously deals with babies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she uh got this landed this big huge job and they kinda um she really clicked with the uh owner of a um, and she um they said what what would you want to do like if you could have your dream thing she was well I'd start a clinic in in basically in like the absolute Ghetto, like the the worst part, like uh, Bayview Point or something rather like that. It's in California and. Um, I don't know any of these places, but anyway, she started she started a little clinic there, and she made it look really posh and really nice, and and like like something that you would like there was they just decorated it and went all out to make like this beautiful clinic in this extremely impoverished neighborhood. And these children were all coming in, and these were little kids that were just in extreme poverty. An extreme adversity, and extreme suffering. A little babies that she said, you know, six-year-olds that sleep in bathtubs so they can avoid being hit by stray bullets by all the drive-by shootings, and and these kids, a lot of them have seen multiple people get killed, and 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 it 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 mm. it just really just she she described in depth like the whole book about poverty, and she started out in the beginning of the book telling the story about this dude that it was like forty-three years old, and he woke up in bed, and all of a sudden, like they entire left side of his body was, and he was having a major stroke and he thought he was talking to his wife, but he couldn't even communicate because he couldn't, you know, and he had a massive stroke and they took him to the hospital and, and he, um, and he, uh, they couldn't, he didn't have any, um, risk factors for having a stroke at 43 years old. And, um, and and then she kind of leaves that story and goes off into this whole other tangent. And then at the end of the book, she comes back and says, well, that was her brother. And he did have a risk factor. And that was that he experienced extreme childhood adversity and extreme trauma. And their mother, they they uh, uh, their mother was um, a paranoid schizophrenic. And they had another brother who was uh, a year older than her. And he, at the age of 17, was diagnosed with early onset schizophrenia. And they went through this huge turmoil of adversity. And she started to notice the really poor health outcomes of all these kids in her clinic. And the fact that these kids that are born into dire poverty, and dire adversity, they have a 12 to 15 year shorter lifespan than people that are given opportunity. So if you don't think that economic disparity is a problem in our country, You know, and I, I had it, I kind of got compassion is my life's work. That's what I'm here to do. So I'm constantly getting opportunities to tap into deeper levels of compassion. And I know I've made a lot of conflict about piece of shit, low life, you know, (laughs) things like that. I I do, I say Mm -hmm. these judgmental things about it, but when I read this book and I realized like it really shifted how I look at people that are so deep in struggle that they can't even think about evolution of consciousness or self-actualism. or or getting any of that they they're not even in the place they're so in trauma that they're just barely surviving you know and she did all of this study on trauma and adversity and came up with like an adversity score for children to to determine their outcomes and really start and really started making difference and and she did all of this for her brother Which is what touched me because, you know, I'm doing what I do because of my brother, because of the adversity he experienced. And it is something that just I love my brother and I had a really hard time because I turned my back on him when he needed me the most because I didn't understand the depth of pain that adversity causes somebody. And so this scarcity that we're facing, this this poverty consciousness, this poverty of spirit that that leads to so many of the other problems. Like I really believe this is where we start. This is where we get to start. We get to start at, at figuring out a way to remove this false construct that's been forced upon us. And until we as conscious beings that 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 have the ability to innovate and to think for ourselves and decide to say this system is not working for us anymore like somebody's got to rise up and say no like this it's it's like i talk about healing all the time because that's my big thing you know is i really believe i came to heal you know and stop the the pattern of of um the cycle of dysfunction that's been in my family for years and, and all of this stuff and to break that cycle. Like I'm committed to breaking that cycle in my life so that I don't pass on all of this to my children and to my children's children and so on. I want to stop this. I want to have a, a world that we can, we can really look at this stuff and talk about it. So like we're the reason that we've created what we created is we want to call in a tribe of people that want to do something about this, that want to go out and figure out how do we come up with free energy? How do we give people food stability and, and sustenance instead and of food that, that's healthy and good so that we can have strong, healthy bodies so that we don't have to do Because if you start just there and you feed people good nutrient dense food and they're taking care of their bodies, then we lower all the health. I mean, like, I think that I, I, I read constantly. So, but United States has some of the worst health outcomes in the world. And we're like the richest country in the world. We have more resources than pretty much every other country out there. We have so much opportunity and our people are unhealthy. They're, they're obese. They're lazy. They're so many people deep in suffering. And, and I just, and, and so much of it is brought on because we keep allowing them to force this construct on us. And I'm really passionate about this, and I really care about this because I want to see people be able to heal from the patterning and the programming and the wounding, and you know, and to, to, to learn the massive amazingness and divinity that we have within us. But before you can even get to that point, you have to address those basic needs, those basic yes. fundamental needs, of, you know, just of survival. Because when you're in survival, you know, you can't even think about those
1: other things. Yes. And free energy shifts the economic system upside. It flips it upside down. Um, you know, but even, even if you were to take that away, I mean, one of the things that I look at is, I'm, you know, we have these, um, apparently they have these tax relief bills or they have these these things that come to Congress and they take these these infusions of money and they Plug it into the people that have the money. They give it to the banks, and they give it to the people that already have the money,
0: and they hold on to and it. And then they, they put it in the it bank, and put it in the wealth, and they invest it in exactly. other things. They don't invest it back in the people. Like that, trickle down economics definitely does not work. Yeah, that is one thing I have discovered for sure because it gets stopped at the higher levels,
1: what, what, and, yeah. and and
0: and there's nothing like it doesn't ever get down to the bottom. I'm sorry,
1: it, very passionate about. No, and I agree, and me too. And it's it's like why why would you not? give it to the people at the bottom of the of the pyramid or whatever the people at the bottom of that who guess what they're going to do with it they're going to spend it they're going to invest it into the economy the real economy they're going to pay for things they're going to buy things and then those companies are going to pr- flourish and then those companies are going to buy things to increase their like it Benefit And that money gets carried all the way up back up to the top anyway. Those people still make all the money because they own all the institutions. <laughs> exactly. and it's crazy that they do this over and over and over. And it surprises me that people don't. I don't maybe maybe I'm just an, an imbecile when it comes to economics, but. It seems to me that if it makes more sense to use that dollar bill twenty times than it does to use it once to stick it in a bank savings vault and then somebody gets their 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 makes their stock go up a little bit and now they make a little more money in their bonus or whatever, like <laughs> they're screwing everybody for nothing. And they already have enough on top of it. Right. You know? How many cars do you need? <laughs> you know? Twenty? You don't need twenty cars. I don't care no, if you're a you car collector or not, thing. you don't need that. That's an excess. And there's there's something we said for you know, I, I I would love to see an honest system where we can have some some tempered um oh a mixture of these different systems. Yeah. Um socialism mix we do we already do, like America is a socialist capitalist kind of society. It's just that they need to be honed down and made more honest about what we're doing with that money and how we're using it. And it's, those resources are just being squandered in a lot of cases. There's a lot of dishonesty. There's a lot of um, welfare for the rich. I mean, I understand people get upset when they see people, you know, that are drug addicts that are just squandering their lives away and they get freebies and they don't appreciate it. But that's happening at the high end too. (laughs) It's just not obvious. And, And it's frustrating because we don't have a we don't have a a, a we don't have a, a lack or a scarcity of resources we have a distribution problem right and this does not mean that i believe in communism and that we should every no everyone should have the same and blah 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 i don't want to live in that world either i yeah, think that's dystopian that's we yeah, as
0: well it, it doesn't always have to be this or that right. it
1: can be a little bit of this and that well we need a new system that's based on Giving everyone an opportunity, we need to we need to have a fair a fair economic system. We need to take away these these conflict of interest systems. Like healthcare should not be for profit.
0: Yeah, just healthcare should be absolutely for, be.
1: There's absolutely no good reason to have that for profit. It doesn't serve anyone but the people that are shareholders in those companies. Right, it really doesn't. And the doctors know it. Your your sister's a doctor, and she said it is absolutely ridiculous. They they don't doctors don't have control anymore she said over she
0: can't make the doc- decisions to yeah. treat her patients because she has to do whatever their insurance company calls for or whatever the pharmaceutical calls for. Yeah. Or it's it's you don't have the freedom to actually treat them for what's in their best interest and what they actually need. Because right. you're bound by whether they have insurance or not, or what the insurance can, And so it it's kind of pointless to even be a doctor anymore because you know you, the 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 uh pharmaceuticals and that the uh institutions are determining dictating your health care i mean i know that with my daughter with her diabetes like it's been a it's been a struggle there have been times where i have got on the phone and just begged and cried and pleaded with them to give her insulin that she will die without
1: well and you go you go and buy insulin across the border in canada and it's like 30 dollars a vial or whatever and you come back here and it's like, it's, like it's like, why is it so much more expensive? This is the same product. And it's an economic, it's just, they're just screwing everybody as much as they can because they can. And, you know, because of the insurance system and the way that's evolved, people don't look at their bills and they don't care because insurance is covering it.
0: Except for the insurance doesn't cover Well, it doesn't like anymore.
1: Anything. Now that's changing. Like you're it right. doesn't
0: cover hardly yeah, like anything. You're, you're
1: right. It doesn't cover much unless you're really seriously injured. Or you've just got super high-end insurance because you work for a big company or something that has the resources to pay for. It. But but it, it doesn't.
0: Well, my daughter works at Johns Hopkins, like at a major university. For You'd think she'd have the best insurance in the world. And it's so. still not like it's it's really it's it's ridiculous and (laughs) and and very frustrating and you know, and I just like, I, I feel like we get to have these conversations and we get to start getting people to think like the point of our podcast, we're going to talk about a lot of controversial stuff. We're not going to, you know, I, I have been shushed and I, I know i talked about this before. <laughs> my whole life. Like don't talk, keep your, you know, like keep your, and, and I'm just, I'm not willing to do that anymore because I'm so passionate. I'm a line six in my core wound. And that is like how, and, and that means I'm here to hold the vision for humanity to be able to rise into this world that's more based in philanthropy and love and that that there is this this next golden age the new earth like a world of abundance for all like that is the role of the line six to hold the vision for that higher thinking and one of the things they talk about is the line six is you know you might walk past a homeless person on the street and somebody who is um as somebody sees a, a person on the street and they go over and they give them some money they hear go get yourself a meal and then a line six might walk past and see that person on the street and and, and seem to do nothing about it at all and but they go and they're so disturbed by homelessness that they go and they, they say how can we heal homelessness not just that one person right how do we solve but how do we solve the problem of homelessness homelessness and you think from that level. And we have to start thinking from that level. We have to start thinking from that. But, it, but it, it's when you're so stuck in scarcity, <laughs> it's hard to do that.
1: Exactly. Like, and, it's and,
0: really hard to do and that. And the
1: more they squeeze everyone, the more they push us back into that scarcity bubble. We have to all kind of collectively break free from that and say no more. Right. And this is part of the community thing, too, is is when you put, when you put a, a, a group of people, like-minded people together, that are thrival oriented and want to do something, actually want to get up every day and get to work and build something better and make the world a better place, tangibly speaking, and pool their resources, you a you get a better quality of life right. for less resources invested. You get fellowship and interaction with human beings, other human beings on a regular basis in a real tangible way instead of just through screens. Um, not that that isn't valid in some sense. It certainly is communications valid um, in all forms. Uh, but there's a lot lost in communication when you're not sitting with someone face to oh, face. I agree. When you don't see their body language, when you don't um, feel their energy directly, when you don't touch them or you don't. That is a really important human um Need that I is really the kind of, most
0: fundamental. Actually. It is. You know? I look at that. I was actually looking at that hierarchy of needs and really thinking. Of, I mean, my degree is in psychology, so this is something I've studied on and off my whole life. And what I've come to discover is that I think that one of the things that makes it and they did this study and it was one of the longest running studies ever it spanned a period of 75 years. And they studied all of these um, men. It was all done on men, obviously. And they they um, studied them over the period of their lives to determine what resulted in them having the most satisfaction at the end of their life. And the majority of people, what they discovered was it was the people that had that that considered themselves the happiest and the wealthiest were the people that had deep, close, intimate connections. And that was the thing that really equated to a living a really happy, fulfilled life yeah. was the the level and the depth of connection that you had with your intimate group of, of people. And I believe that connection is one of the single fundamental needs of humans is to feel seen, heard, and just validated for your existence as worthy. And, um, and, and, and people like when they like you can have money, and you can have like a lot of elderly people, they, when they retire and they end up, you know, uh, you know, they're out of their work and so they're not going to work anymore. They're not engaging with people and they're just like in their home now. And then their spouse dies and then they just, and a lot of them will end up like starving to death because they lose their desire to eat, to do even the basic, when they don't have connection and they feel like everybody forgot about them and they cease to exist and they don't matter anymore. And there's a lot of studies that back that up as well. Yeah. You know, like we need connection. And when we sit with somebody and you look at them and you recognize their humanity, which that is my my life's work is the the gift is humanity is to be able to recognize the humanity in people and, and give them that connection. Like really let let them be seen. And I, I feel like that's also one of those things and when you can have a community that can, that's why I love like our tribe idea. Because you know, a tribe is a group of people that come together and they live the highest good of all. Right. And when we live in a world now where we're so caught up in making sure that I'm taking care of me and mine, that I have my stuff, and I have my things and I'm taking care of and I don't care about the rest of you as long as I'm taking care of, and I got my needs met. And that does not work for humanity. Like when we live for the individual, I like we have to return to the ways of tribe and living for the collective we. And we have to acknowledge that the um, the the issues that are facing our planet and humanity—they're keeping us stuck in this again like a slave mindset, you know, where we're all just, we get, we don't have say in our lives because we have to just stay on the hamster wheel all the time, produce, 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 produce. And, and then you're not enjoying that life. You're not, you're just living to exist and die. Right. And who wants that? I don't believe that's why we came here. Mm-mm. I came I really believe we came here to experience love and joy and, and to experience all of it. The struggles necessary too, you know, but, but to be able to do that, we have to be able to figure out a way to live in harmony and peace. And that starts by really addressing scarcity, economic disparity, free energy that solves it all.
1: Yeah, it's it certainly um, is the most obvious answer that I can come up with. There's things we can do now, even to before that, where we can pull our resources as in the tribe idea. Um, I would say there's an amalgamation between those two things. Like I think it, it can't be all or nothing. We can't live just for others and we can't live just for ourselves. No, it has we do be have to for live for the
0: highest for, good of all, which includes, I'm which included includes
1: in that. yourself. Yeah. Exactly. That's why I wanted to make that point yeah, is that, I'm
0: included in that, that, that
1: we have to fundamentally have a good relationship with ourself as well. You know, this whole idea that you, it's, it's difficult for you to be able to understand how to love others when you don't really love yourself. Because love is about acceptance.
0: Yeah.
1: It's really about um, allowing what's there to exist and be okay with it. Saying it's okay that you're where you are. I love you anyway. I love you mm-hmm. as you are. You don't have to be something to be loved. That's That's real love.
0: You know, and that was, that was my experience in my second aboga journey. So I did the first time I did aboga, we, we do two ceremonies and I told everybody about the first ceremony because it was spectacular and magnificent. <laughs> yeah. And it was this big, and the second round of medicine, I
1: excited for the out next of it. I was so like amazing. expecting
0: this big, amazing, <laughs> and it wasn't, it was, I went into this, um, I went into this, like i went in i couldn't get into the medicine first of all i ended up doing seven tablespoons of like or teaspoons of iboga or whatever it is this big ten, seven spoonfuls of iboga Ugh. just to, to get them i did three times the amount as everybody else in the room and i couldn't get into the medicine and i laid there and finally i started to drop into the medicine and i dropped in and my first journey i had gone through this there was this big huge just magnificent castle and this lush um scenery and this lush of valley and river. And I was a bird and a dragon and like all these amazing things. And in my second Iboga journey, I went into the medicine and I sat and I opened my eyes and I looked up and I'm sitting in this giant pile of rubble. And it's literally all of these little mementos from my life, all the broken pieces, all the things that I had cleared out because literally, it took me on this life, like thirty-six hours of life review, going through right. and 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 all of these things. And here I am, the second round of medicine. I'm sitting in this it's outside the castle there's the castle wall is there but the castle everything's covered in black like big spider webs and and dirt and soot and darkness and and i'm sitting in this pile of rubble and it's all these just little pieces of my life and just but everything's all discombobulated and 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 like the teddy bears or eyeballs are poked out and <laughs> they have holes in them and it's like just all the trash of my life and i'm sitting there in this and there was a window and it was just like a, a like one of those like a little arch shaped little flat bottom in like an uh-huh. art shaped window and I could see this window and there was bright beautiful light beaming into the window and I could peer out the window and I could see the lush valley and all the beauty and everything out there. And I, I said to the medicine, I don't understand. Like in my last journey, I thought I cleared out like I thought we double did stuff. we take the trash I, out. We already? took all the trash out. Why am I sitting <laughs> in this rubble of my life? Like why stuff. how did I get back here in this space? so quickly like why am I sitting here like I don't understand what and the medicine said to me you say you want to be a healer you say you want to do this work you say you want to create change in the world well this is where it happens you get to sit with people in their darkest space in the rubble of their life at their very worst Mm -hmm. and love them there And if they never, ever change and they never, ever move forward or evolve in any way, you just love them there because that's what people need is to be seen, heard, loved and validated. Exactly and isn't
1: that interesting that the Master Jesus, when he did his teachings, when he went out into the world, he hung out with the people that were considered the undesirables, the prostitutes and the tax collectors and all the, the people that you would consider like uh, sketchy people. That's who he went and loved because that's the people that really needed it. You know, those are the people who really needed that they needed to spend the time with someone who could talk to them about how to live differently, how to look at things differently, and how to live a better life, you know, like, yeah. that's really, really profound. Um, you had another experience like that, too, didn't you? Something similar to that? I remember you telling me another story similar to that.
0: I've had a lot of experiences where was, that, uh,
1: that. What was it about um,
0: that where I have just been told like repeatedly that this is
1: Oh, like, oh, I know it's the ayahuasca one with all the men. Oh, yeah. like, that was so, another really good story. So, yeah,
0: that was a really like, powerful moment as well. That that was um,
1: the medicine really just shows you what you need to see. That, yeah, you know, that's it's amazing That's how why teaches.
0: I love plant medicines and I've I've just gleaned so much wisdom from my journeys and that that was a really interesting uh, one as well because I like unicorns and rainbows and pretty things and and i have this big looking good conversation and i and and the medicine has really shown me sh- it, I, like in that particular the, the iboga journey i was looking up and they're like it doesn't happen out there with the unicorns and rainbows it happens here in the darkness and the rubble of their life yes and then the, the ayahuasca ceremony was i was um it was a ceremony we did medicine for three days in a row and the second ceremony um the first ceremony had been amazing and beautiful and it was just i it was just incredible and the second ceremony i came in and i was really working on like understanding the divine masculine feminine and all that stuff and and i went into the ceremony and this was um uh, there were 40 people in the room i typically don't like ceremonies with that many people because there's so much energy and yeah. i just i like yeah. more intimate tinier ceremonies and stuff like that but yeah. there was a room full of men and women. It was about equal, equal, but I just happened to be on a side where like literally everybody on, I was in the middle of, had men all around me. And, um,
1: Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. Uh, I, 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 I
0: had, I, but I, I was there with my partner at the time and we were sitting there and, and, um, I kept trying to get into the medicine. I drank the medicine. I laid down and, and, all of a sudden, and they had given instructions for everybody to, you know, try to be quiet and don't make a lot of noise <laughs> and stay on your own mat, stay in your own space, and and to to uh, really respect the space and other people's journeys, and and all of a sudden, I'm laying there and the person that my partner to the right of me starts, he's purging like loudly, just purging over and wailing. And then the guy next to me starts and he's even louder. And all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I just, there's men all around me and they're all purging and wailing and suffering. And it's so much suffering. And I'm laying there and I'm just like, so Irritated, I'm like what? The, can you? Ju- oh my god! Did you not hear? They, you're, you're destroying my experience, and and just shut up! And like I'm wow. just like in my head, I was just like, oh my god! I wanted to scream at them to shut up and to stop, and like, and and the medicine just kind of said, Lois. Lois, you came here and your intention was to, because I had been talking so much about how I know so many women that are just really empowered and really taking control of their own healing. And then so many men so deep in suffering and the medicine said, and I'm like, I don't understand why I can't get in the medicine, but if all this noise around me, I can't get in the medicine. And, and the medicine said to me, like you said, you wanted, you know, to hear, Men heal. You came here. And this, this is the sound of men healing. This is the sound of men committed to their own healing, wailing and purging their traumas and purging their woundings. And and this is your medicine tonight is to sit here and to send love to every person that in suffering in this room and to send love. And every time they will, you send them love. And I lay there and just sobbed. I didn't. I could have taken more medicine. They offered me more, and I decided, no, this is my medicine. And I sat and I just reveled in the sound of men healing, mm. of men doing the work, of men, you know, that were really committed to that. And the suffering, God, it was just, it was heart-wrenching. And then at the end of the night, when we went around and we kind of shared, I stood up and I kind of shared the story and I said, thank you. Thank you for your commitment to heal. Thank you for showing up for yourself. Thank you for doing the work because the only way that we're going to change the world is if we do the work to heal ourselves and then once we are healed and we're not operating from scarcity and we're not operating from, you know, our wounds and we can go out and we can actually affect real change in the world. And so I've had lots of reminders that this is where we get to start. And it's, you know, and I, and I, I, have this conversation and I, and I was saying that it's just so important for us to meet people where they're at. And um, I kind of got into a little disagreement with that sentiment with some of my friends because they were like, they thought it was like, Judgmental, and but it's not. I think it's judgmental, and it's it's arrogant to think that we're all in the same place and that we're all we're not. We're all in different spaces in our healing, different spaces in our path, different spaces in our process in life. Yeah. And in and, and the the way that we love people back to wholeness, so that and I believe that we are like I. One thing that I really struggle with is like, oh, you're broken, you're broken. I I I don't believe that we're all broken and we're all Unworthy and we're all. I, I just I don't buy into that and, and I'm never gonna be convinced of it. I, because I lived believing that for years and it did not serve me. I believe at the core of every human being is this whole perfect complete being with a divine purpose, a little spark of divinity in their soul that that they, and and, and a, a divine gift that they can only they can share with the world. A unique gift and intrinsically valuable just because you exist and at the core of that. But we are covered with all of this programming and all of this wounding and all of these stories and all of this gunk that prevents us from seeing our own perfection. And until we do the work to unwind those stories and to look at ourselves and to, 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 Because for me, healing and what I've discovered is healing is just an unwinding. Mm-hmm. It's an unwinding, it's and it's just and it's 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 not adding to it's not br- bringing on new belief systems. It's not any of that. It's unwinding all the stories that this construct of scarcity that we're all buying into. We have to break that story down, and we get to create. Like I love Charles Eisenstein. Like he's somebody that I would give my teeth to have on this podcast and talk to. Him. I've read uh, most of his give teeth after that.
1: We yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay. enough right now. Yeah, I don't to do, do, do that. Things. Okay. <laughs> You're right. I, this is great. Um, we no, that? Okay.
0: I I I love Charles Eisenstein and he talks a lot about we have to create a new story for the people.
1: Yeah.
0: And we have to come up with new stories, you mm-hmm. know. And and stories and, and if we're going to create stories and we're going to have a philosophy and a belief system, let's create one that serves us right. and that lifts us up and that inspires us to become the best version of ourselves so that we can go out and make a difference in the world so that we can alleviate the suffering. I'm telling you, that book, The Deepest Well, like I it, it touched my heart in such a way and it really shifted my perception of the the... The economic spares disparity in our country and those living in these inner cities that are just really, really deep in and struggle, and, and my judgment around them like, because you know what? They can't do better because they don't know better, right? And exactly. and, and we can't judge them for right. living a life of crime and living in survival and going out in, in, in the street and getting involved in gangs because that's the only way they, either you get involved in a gang or you die, right? You <laughs> get right. beat up and you get really abused. It's 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 sad what we've come to and, and and it's a human thing that we as humans get to figure out.
1: Well, and I think you could take that exact same sentiment and apply it to humanity as a whole. Like we have to change our awareness and that we've been constricted, that we have been choked out and just shut down to keep us from expressing who we really are and our and and allowing us to do that. And we have to break that idea, the scarcity idea, but it's, it's very difficult because it's everywhere around us. It's constantly, they've infused it into every aspect of our lives.
0: Well, and it's, it's everywhere. Forced onto us through religion. Like religion is one of the biggest, I think like organized religion is one of the biggest uh, people that push that story you know and that and so many of these they have massive resources and you know what they're doing with they're paying their salaries and buying big fancy cars and building big stadiums instead of actually going out into the streets and helping people which is what Jesus commissioned us to do i mean the sermon on the mount that that he commissioned us to go out into the world and to to like that's yep. that's what we're here to do. Do something. Yep. do something, you know. Take up your cross and follow me. Get out there in the world. It's going to take some work. It's going to, you know. I I I, yeah, exactly. I I I believe deeply in the teachings of Christ. You know, I do, and and the teachings of Buddha, like uh, the 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 eight limbs of yoga, like those things. All of those, like it's amalgamation of different. Like I pick the the principles from all the different religions that are the same, and 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 that's what I live by. But I think we get to go out and actually walk our talk and like put it into action. And, and, and it, and,
1: and. I think we really need to, like, I think it's beyond get to at this point, we need to, yeah. we need to either stand up or take what we get. Right. Like this is right. where we're, we're really being pushed to either t- to seize our birthright and step forward and say, we want to create something different. And there are people that are doing that, and we're going to have someone. This is, the, this is the, the whole point behind our podcast: tangible changemakers, right? Not just changemakers. We're not not keyboard warriors. It's tangible changemakers—people are actually stepping up and doing something with their resources, doing something with their knowledge, speaking their minds, speaking their truth. And even if you're not entirely sure of what you're doing, that's okay. Do something. Exactly. Do something for your neighbor. Do something for your family. Do something for anyone. When you see a need, fill it. You see a piece of trash on the ground, pick Pick it up.
0: up. Instead of rolling your eyes and judging somebody for
1: throwing it down, just pick it up up and be done with it. And move forward and leave every place you go better than you found it. And keep filling that, create that wake behind you of positive change, positive. energetics
0: yeah i love that
1: pulling that through and i've seen that um I've seen a lot of that in the Aikido community. Like in my Aikido people, there, those type of people have a very different perspective. Like
0: because it's like based we, in principles. Aikido is based in principles sp- of Awa yeah. say and of living a Buddha life. Yes, and just it, there's so much beauty to
1: that. Absolutely, and it's and and those people when you when you when you're around them you you feel it. Like it's <laughs> there's just this. Everyone just contributes, and we're all just there to support and be together. And it's there isn't a lot of like there's a little hierarchy in it for sure there's definitely that piece but what's was one of the things that i loved about it and and i'm just one of those people i, I when i see trash in the ground i pick it up I, I don't sit and hem and haw about it and wonder about who left it there and how it got there i don't care anymore like i'm just gonna pick it up and throw it in the trash can or get it in the trash can one of the interesting things about um culture like when i was in japan on keto tour we were we went all over japan It was 17 days I was there traveling around. And I pay pay very close attention to my surroundings, especially when I'm traveling. I don't really like to take stock and see how it differs from my own environment. And I can honestly say in 17 days of traveling all over, riding trains, walking all over Tokyo, I only saw three pieces of garbage on the street. Only three that entire time. And I was looking. (laughs) And that was I mean, I was like surprised even that. It was because it, it's that place is spotless.
0: Mm-hmm. That's how Amsterdam is. Too. It was Amsterdam wild.
1: So I, I was so, so shocked. beautiful, so efficient. Oh, it's so efficient. And it was yeah. like, this is like, I mean, I'm like, wow, this is like going to another planet almost. It just feels so different. And it was amazing. The people were so polite and conscientious, awesome. respectful. And I mean, I would walk around, even when I did have trash, I was like, where do I find a trash can? And I walked up and down everywhere. There's no trash cans. Because everyone takes care of their own trash. I mean, it's, it's fundamentally a different way of being. And we could learn a lot from the Japanese and, and how they manage that piece of their society is really, really good. And every Japanese person I met is like just astoundingly good people. Yeah. Just really stellar people. Um, one of my favorite cultures by far and one that I resonate with deeply. Um, when I was in Peru... Um, it was this kind of mix. There was kind of a mix. It kind of you. Sometimes you'd see that. Yeah, that
0: was quite a bit
1: of. There was. It was kind of dirty here and there, but it would be in, in certain areas. It wouldn't yeah. be everywhere. It, it Wasn't was like, everywhere. Yeah, it wasn't like a, um, a fundamental. But the was, sacred sites were kept very sacred. The sacred sites they were, were kept beautiful. sacred, and like the bigger cities are bigger cities. Yeah.
0: yeah, Lima wasn't my favorite.
1: But I, the only big city I've yeah. ever been in that was clean was Tokyo. Like it was just. There was 20 million people live there and there was no trash on the ground. There's people walking everywhere and nobody running into each other. And I was was just kind of scratching my head the whole time. going, This is really shockingly amazing that all these people live this way. And they do it because it's their culture. This is a culture of respect. They respect themselves and they respect their environment. They respect respect each other. Why can't we step into that on a world level? You know, why can't we do that? We have to bring that to the world. These kinds of ideas. We yeah. have to start doing this, and everyone can do make a little change. This is this is the things when we look at the worldwide problems and go, "Oh my God," you know, somebody's got to create free energy. We got to create this. We got to solve the whole world's problem. That's a big task.
0: That's a big, and okay? it's overwhelming. But how it's overwhelming. It I can't. One I bite know, some,
1: time. How do you eat it all? One bite at <laughs> a time. Exactly. And you know what? If we all take a bite, we can all solve that at once. Yeah. You know, so th- so the solution to some of these big problems is. A, take stock of your own life and be the best version of yourself, whatever that looks like. Really be honest with yourself. Step into this space of really being questioning who you are and and look at yourself and how you live and how you impact your environment, how you impact the people around you and your relationships, how you impact the environment literally around you, how you impact the world with what you choose to do and how you use resources, how you act, how you talk, how you talk to people on the Internet. You know, somehow there's a strange phenomenon where people, were there, when they're not physically in the same room together, they'll just say almost anything to each other. And that, like, wow, like, you know, if you were in the same room with me right now, you wouldn't be talking like that. I guarantee okay. it. <laughs> because my body language would change very quickly to make this, like, conversation change a lot faster. And, and it, people are just... Um, there's a lot of uh, separation going on right now. A lot, of, and, and and some of this can be good. Like just like when you when you stepped into your stuff and and you feel like you have to look at it so that you can actually acknowledge it, so that you can change it. Right. And so all this stuff is kind of bubbling up. I mean, it feels like the world's getting worse, but really what I see is that the world's just being revealed. The apocalypse is the revealing of what's always been there. And now we're all able to kind of see it because of social media, instant communication, technology is really allowing us to see what's always been there and all this stuff. And this unwinding is a collective unwinding as well, Yeah, it's because a collective we're starting to see sure. the deception. And I mean, we all know that politics has been broken for a long time. I mean, I don't know many, I know very few people that actually buy into believing that that's what it is. Like it is like there's, both there. wings
0: of the same bird. Two
1: wings of the same bird. There's too <laughs> in, much control in the United
0: States. anywhere. Our politics are really—it's—it's it's, it's, both sides are so incredibly corrupt. Because, and it's corrupt because, like you know, I like I was seeing the thing they were talking about. The salary that we pay to congressmen and Senators based on their net worth when they Come into politics and when they become career Politicians and the amount of money they amass And it is not congruent they're doing Things
1: they're making they're manipulating The system yeah. and they're
0: and if we Can't sit back and see that like you know As a people and acknowledge that But we get so caught up in party politics And toe in the line of our party Or whatever I, and I'm not in a party I don't it's I don't, a form I of I don't tribalism. do that yeah it's a form Of tribalism that's tri- tribe in the not Good way right. <laughs> and 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 it's not, it isn't serving us anymore. And, you know, and it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking to me sometimes to just sit back and, and see people that just aren't willing to look. You know, and I believe that all great change is preceded by chaos. I mean, I have a couple little things I say a lot and I say them repeatedly, but you know what? Studies show that in the past it used to be seven times. You got to hear seven times before you take action on something. It is now 13 times. (laughs) (laughs) So the more you hear us say this, we repeat a lot of the stuff that we talk about because we want you to get it. We want you to hear it. We want to inspire you to take action in your own life, like to to say, you know what? I'm not going to sit and stick my head in the sand anymore. I'm actually going to start looking at this. I'm going to take stock of my own life. I'm going to look at this from a different perspective and I'm going to see how I can change myself. And if I change myself, then I will have a little ripple effect out into the world because we are all, as we heal ourselves, we heal for the collective. I truly believe that with everything in me and until we bring it into our awareness. And that's why right now we're in a time of chaos. It's all bubbling up so that we can acknowledge it so we can see it for right. what it is and we can heal it yes and and if you can't feel it you can't heal it like right. if you don't acknowledge it if you if you pretend like if you want to stick your head in the sand that's why denial is one of the core wounds <laughs> if you want to pretend like it's not existing you know then then we're never going to be able to move past this phase in right. humanity right and i truly believe that there is this possibility for this new earth and this new world in a world of abundance and prosperity Prosperity, and and I really think that we're at that choice point of do we move into the next golden age, or do we do we stay? You know, um, or how soon
1: do we move into that? Or, 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 I think or
0: how soon, like the of timing of it? You yeah. know, yeah, and the timing of it. Today, I was um, I was on. Uh, Facebook and I went on the Jinkies and, and a guy shared um, this really beautiful meditation and it was inspired by the the Great Change Meditation that Jinkies puts out that Richard Red did, which is one of my absolute favorite meditations. And, and it was really beautiful and really beautifully done. And I'll ask him for permission to share it in the podcast if anybody wants to listen to it. But it's about letting go of that collective wounding and, and all, it's just the imagery is so beautiful. Um, I'm hoping you'll, we'll do this meditation together tonight um but it was really a beautiful meditation and something that is just so powerful for um you know for us as you know that are committed to changing the world and being change makers to step into this role of letting go of our wounding so that we can step into our full service to humanity and um You know, I love this. I'm looking at your little uh, article that you wrote in in the platform and it says free energy frees us from all the shackles of artificial scarcity that have been foisted upon humanity. And I believe that that is really, really true. So I think that
1: is one of the answers, like the fundamentals. It's a it's a primary because it's at the root of everything else. So if we can solve that, we get a huge gain on the rest and then we can really focus on the, the social issues and all those other things can then be more honestly dealt with because a lot of it is a result of this economic disparity right. that creates a lot of these problems. And the other tribalistic thing, like um, we're, we're really, we're really programmed with that, that deep sense of need for connection and tribal behavior is a part of that. Um, we've, indoctrinated in a lot of ways into in a much more of a warlike tribalism. Right. So it's a divisionary tribalism. So it's red or blue, Republican or Democrat. It's this football team or that football team. It's this sports team or soccer team or this. It's it's that's how that tribalism is expressed. And it's not a healthy form of that tribalism. It really isn't. Um, there's a time for defense. There's a time to be acknowledge that need. But to to keep pushing it over and over is uh, very unhealthy. It it sets up a, a, a framework in the mind and the consciousness for opposition and division. And so we're always seeing people as a potential enemy not as right. a potential friend and a collaborator. And we need to really get back to collaboration versus competition. Competition has its place in nature, but collaboration is actually much more <laughs> prevalent than people would ever believe. Right. It's really prevalent. You look at in the ocean, there's tons of interacting organisms. If you look in forest life, there's tons of interacting organisms that are, that are working together. Symbiotically without they don't sit down and have a conversation about it. It's just naturally the way they they work with each other naturally it's an evolution and that's built into things and we've We need to get back into consciously bringing that back into our societies and back into our um, Collective consciousness. I
0: agree. I, agree. And, I agree.
1: And if we do that We could all have really really beautiful abundant prosperous lives all of us. There's room for everyone There's enough for everybody.
0: I agree completely.
1: You know, I mean, really. And, And the best way to get there is to start with ourselves and then to be honest about what the problems are and then to be and then start really seeking those solutions and looking for that solution.
0: I agree. I agree. So we are about an hour and 40 minutes in. All right. Yeah. So I think we're going to wrap this up, but what I would like to do, um, and I'll ask you for, you know, whatever closing comments you want to add to it, but I would just like to challenge our audience um, to take stock of your life. Look at the areas where you can be a contribution Can you be a little, add a little more kindness to the world Add a little more, you know, where can you tap into the resources that you have to share with the world and and ideas and innovation and, If you know anybody that's really out there putting their, you know, putting their money where their mouth is and their action into action and they're creating tangible change, we would love for you to, you know, point them our way so we can talk to them, so we can highlight them and share what they're doing and the ways that they're creating tangible change in the world. You know, um... We've, you know, if they're working on ideas for free energy, or if they're working on things and they want to, um, you know, talk about it, or just whatever. If they, if they have, you know, ways that they're working that are helping people heal or helping people overcome their scarcity mindset, or whatever it is, if they're just doing things to create change for the better on our planet, we would love to um, have you connect us. And, you know, and send us our way so we can, you know, yes. talk about like the Jim Gales of the world and people like that. I mean, he's somebody that I'm so impressed with. And like Charles Eisenstein, yeah. you know, he's so just he, he's out there, you know, making he's he's I don't know what he's doing tangibly. I know that, you know, Jim Gale is out there doing tangible things, but um but Charles Eisenstein is—he's putting new thoughts and new ideas into the into the the collective consciousness that are beautiful and that are really empowering, particularly around areas of scarcity and and new ways to to. Um, to Break free from this capitalistic commercialism, greed and consumerism that is just consuming our soul, you know, and our like planet, it's, it's really it's, hard it's, on the biosphere. It's really difficult when you're constantly consuming, constantly consuming, constantly consuming because you're trying to fill this void of emptiness within inside of you. Eventually, you just consume yourself. It's that my attractions sphere, the 35th gene key of hunger. You know, you will eventually just consume and consume until you consume yourself. It's this unquenchable hunger. Yeah. and so you have to turn that hunger into adventure and once you turn that adventure and you you figure out a way to make this life this amazing adventure then you create boundlessness like you remove the the bounds that are constricting us and keeping us and um it's it's a it's it's that's one of my favorite jinkies i i, I love them all actually but <laughs> um, that's one that's particularly um important to me and and uh, really relevant to this discussion even um but uh, I just um, encourage you to uh, share with us your change makers and the people in other ways that are change making
1: change in the world. Well said, yeah. So I just want to add a little bit. There's something that kind of came to mind while you we were talking. Um, so one of the things that's going on, and people that are if you're paying attention, there in China. They're implementing this social credit system, which. If you take that system and you apply it in a scarcity model, it becomes a control system and it controls people. If you take that same system and you apply it in an abundance economic system, it becomes a way to unleash more abundance because you get because it's you don't get limitations. It's, it's like you get you get advantages versus disadvantage so it's kind of like the um the carrot or the stick mm-hmm. one's the stick one's the carrot i'd much rather work with the carrot me too you know yeah. why can't we do that and, and there's nothing to stop us but us so i would encourage people to a contemplate this idea about freeing ourselves from scarcity mindset and be contemplate how they can get involved in that. Because some people have resources, but they don't have the knowledge. So they might have, might have made it a lot of money or something in the stock market or something, have all those resources, not sure what to do with it. So they put it into real estate and they have all this stuff, those investments and stuff, but they're just living and they're just existing. But they realize the world's going down the tubes. <laughs> right. And if it goes down, down bad, we all go with it. Like when the drain's flush, we're all flushing down with it. So I if, mean, if, if, to a certain extent, you, you can insulate yourself to a certain degree from that. But really, you know, you really need a community of people to get through something like that. Um, And I'd like to to express the idea of taking action when you can. In whatever way that looks, it doesn't matter what it is. You don't have to qualify it. It doesn't have to be some giant thing. It can be the smallest thing, the smallest flap of the butterfly's wing. And change the weather on the other side of the planet. This, this shift in this interaction of the world and the way that um, the world interacts with it—it's all interconnected, and everything counts. Every thought, word, and deed—they all add to the collective. And so, so to think that you're powerless—you're not. We're all—we all hold tremendous power, and the power of our mind is much more than we're told as well. So, so we have to start shifting our mindset. Because our body follows the mind. And once the mind's shifted, then the body will also shift. And when the body shifts, then we can shift our environment around us as well. We shift our relationships and so everything can change. So there's there's huge potential here. Um, I'd like to say to anybody, that if, if you're a free energy inventor or somebody that's got that type of technology and you're looking at doing that, I would encourage you to look at open sourcing it don't try to profit. There's no need to profit on something that gives you infinite amount of everything. <laughs> it makes right. no sense. Exactly. So open source that stuff and put it out into the mainstream, um, consciousness as fast as you can when you do it. Uh, if you need support with that, let me know. Um, so those are a couple things. Um, I think that pretty much sums it up for me. Like I get like, that's where I tend to go back to, uh, the, I feel like technology has, technology has brought us to a lot of the struggles that we have, mm-hmm. but it can free us from a lot of those same struggles. Right. Okay. So it isn't the answer for every problem, but it frees us from the treadmill so that we can work on those other problems, honestly. Yeah. And that's important. So do what you can to encourage that in your mindset and in your actions.
0: Yeah, I think that's and beautiful. let's make
1: it a better world. Let's create the golden age.
0: Yeah, and if you're putting together a community and you've already created an eco community or a sustainable community or a conscious community and, and you're having success with that, we'd love to talk to you as well. Absolutely. That's definitely on our uh, radar. That is one of our biggest goals is to have an actual physical community based on these principles and and you know, of self-sustainability and and you know, serving our our planet.
1: Yeah. Very soon.
0: Yeah. That's on the high on the priority list. Mm -hmm. So we're definitely looking to collaborate. It's interesting. I had a friend post today and she's like, what is your word for 2023? And I said, my word is collaboration. Yes. And that's it. You know, I, um, I think that if we can all stop competing and start collaborating, that's how we're going to create shift. Yes. Yeah, that's how we create the shift on the planet. So thank you so much for tuning in to us. We hope that you are enjoying our discussions and if nothing else, that it's that it's actually triggering you to think and to take action and to to, to take stock of you know where you stand and and we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have you write us a review, give us some feedback Absolutely. and all those fun things, because that really supports us. And if you have any ideas you'd like us to talk about, uh, just message us. Pop into our platform. Um, We've got some really great discussions in there. There's a lot of really awesome content in there right now um, that's forward thinking and really solutions oriented. So, and we would want to continue to contribute a massive pool of ideas to that, not just our ideas, but we want to collect from the consciousness of humanity, like the good stuff that we can create a better world for
1: everyone. Perfectly said.
0: Yeah. So, we'll see you the next time. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in to Tangible Change Makers podcast. We are honored that you honored us with your time and attention. We trust you found the conversation thought provoking, and we hope you are inspired to take tangible action in your own life. We'd love your first action to share this episode or write us a review. Be sure to subscribe and click the links in the show notes for everything mentioned in this episode. Join us over at Meraki Tribe Collective to keep the conversations going and flowing. We will leave you with wise words to live by. Be the world you wish to create.